This is Learn From Others, where we interview a cross-section of successful individuals so you can learn from their experiences, achievements, and even their mistakes. We ask four questions that will educate and inspire. Greg Stanley will be your guide as we join our guests on a journey from adolescent daydreaming to success in today's world. Join us on this adventure as we learn from others together. Welcome to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. I'm very excited to introduce our special guest, Tony Floyd. Tony, how are you doing today? Doing great. Good morning. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. Well, before you tell us what you're actually doing today, let's start at the very beginning. And could you tell us, what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, I wanted to be president of the United States. Really? Uh, my, mom, <laughs> my mom was a school teacher, and she she was just very encouraging, and, and um, I, I wanted to be a leader. And, I, you know, every kid wants to go for the top job. Football players want to play in the NFL. Basketball players want to be in the NBA. I wanted to be president. Mapped out a chart of my life and from about high school age on and, and started following it at an early age. So what did that look like? Did that take a form before high school, or was it kind of in high school that you really started putting it to practice, your plan to practice? Well, I think, you know, I, I had some early jobs that were not leadership-type track, but during high school, my next-door neighbor was a lawyer, and he invited me to be a law clerk in his law firm. And so I would bag groceries at night. I worked at the Kentucky Fried Chicken. But then I also had these part-time intervals where I was working in a law firm. And so once I got there, the senior partner in that firm was in the state senate. And so I just became addicted to state politics and you know, just immediately fell in love with the give and take of politics and law. And, and charted my course. Wow, that's amazing because you had some your basic teenage jobs, you know, back in groceries working at KFC, but then you also had this whole other part-time gig helping out in such a amazing environment and organization. I would imagine you learned so much. Whatever it was, you know, whenever you could get in there, you probably learned a lot. Yeah, I did. And, and when I got to know the senior partner, then he invited me during my college years to worked for him in the state senate, so I worked in the insurance study committee in the South Carolina Senate for a couple of years, and I supplemented my income with it and got to be on the floor of the senate and meet a lot of the lions of the senate from those days, and, and it's just got me more and more involved in you know leadership track and in a um, track that took me to law school. So you went out of high school into college where you continued in this role or in the political field? I believe my first year I didn't work, but my second year I worked for the South Carolina Indigent Defense Commission as a delivery person. I would deliver appeals to the South Carolina Supreme Court. Wow. And I also also worked in the South Carolina Senate for Senator Ed Salibi. And so I had two jobs during my years in college. And, of course, I got to walk the halls with famous people. I would literally walk the halls of the Supreme Court. Back then, there was no security, you know. You just walk right in, and um, just everybody got to know you. And so I, I became to, began to make a lot of really good life connections that, that persist to this day, and, um, you know, just really got me interested. So it's a good example that we, we need in universities for students to have internships, and, and experiential learning is huge. Yes, that is huge, for sure. Well, on this path to potentially have a public office. Uh, what were some of your favorite subjects or hobbies while you were in school, either high school or college? Well, I'm very interested in politics and history. I turned out to be a business major, so I got a, a business management degree from the University of South Carolina, and I majored a lot in intramurals and having fun. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good major. <laughs> some, some, of the great, some of the greatest 
times in my life. I was walking to campus in, in Columbia. But most of my serious stuff was in these jobs and, and in the work I was doing. And when I was a student, I was just a typical college student. But when I was at the state house or at the Supreme Court, you know, I would I would be dressed up and I would be learning how to be a professional, learning how to be a gentleman. And um, it was it was just a really good time. Wow. Okay. Well, cool. Well, we know what you wanted to be when you grew up, and you kind of talked to us a little bit about how that started. Well, what do you do today? Well, today, starting this past June, I became the 22nd president of Mars Hill University in Mars Hill, North Carolina. We're out uh, 15 miles north of Asheville, North Carolina, in the mountains, in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Beautiful area. North Carolina. Yes, it's, it's paradise. That is awesome. Well, if you would, kind of walk us through that time in college to today. Like, what was your career path? What were some of the other roles you had that took you to become president of Mars Hill University? Well, I um, graduated from University of South Carolina, and within weeks, I matriculated into Campbell University School of Law. And I went through a summer program. I did not get right into Campbell University. I had to earn my way in. Mm. And um, they invited about 100 students to compete for 25 seats, and I was lucky enough to to make it into that. And then just by grit and determination, got into law school, and then I did pretty well in law school. Uh, During the summers, I was a law clerk um, in some other law firms, and I I clerked with a firm called Driggers & Baxley. Driggers & Baxley was a, a firm in Hartsville, South Carolina, and so... I clerked with them in the summers. Um, Mike Baxley, one of the partners, was a candidate for uh, the South Carolina House of Representatives during that time. And so I not only clerked, but I got very involved in a house race and uh, got to see that up close. But I ended up joining that firm and practiced there for five years. Okay. Beginning in 1993, I, I went out on my own, hung a shingle, and, and opened a Floyd Law Firm. Oh, cool. Did that for from 1993 until I went to Coker College in the, I would say, about seven years ago. And I had a, I had a small-town law practice, did a lot of trial work. I was also, in my young days, I was a public defender, so I had a lot of trial experience. I tried, even tried murder cases and all kind of serious criminal cases. And wow. Over the years, I, you know, just did a lot of different things. But I was small-town guy, small-town lawyer. But I tried cases in some big cities like Columbia, South Carolina, um, Florence, just all across the, the state of South Carolina, and just gained a lot of experience. As I got older, I began to be invited to sit on different boards, got invited to represent municipalities, colleges, banks. And so as I got older and more trusted in the community, so to speak, my clients changed. I quit trying murder cases and and quit trying uh, all kinds of juvenile delinquent cases and started really handling lots of big transactions. And so I, I represented our local hospital. We built a $40 million hospital facility during my time, represented multiple municipalities and did did large deals for infrastructure, you know, just all kinds of things that at the time I had no idea I was being prepared for what I'm doing now. A lot of it dovetailed right into becoming a college president. College presidents are sort of like little mayors, you know. The, <laughs> the university is is a lot of infrastructure and internet and water and sewer and campus safety officers and 
um, and thousands of people and employees. So I find today, I always wondered, you know, how did I end up here? But I, when I look back, you know, I had perfect training to be a college president. Basically, after about many, many years of practicing from 1988 until just seven years ago, I was doing well. I had a young family. My, my daughters were growing up, tremendous wife. Lived on the golf course in a golf course community. Went to a great church. Lived in an all-America city. But somehow, right. some, some way on Sunday nights, I would just have this empty feeling. And the empty feeling was I, I just didn't want to go to work, you know. And I had all these great clients. I had a lot of people depending on me. But in the mornings on Monday morning, I would think to myself, you know, there's got to be more than money and law and living on the golf course and all that stuff. And I did a lot of soul searching. And I came to conclude that I felt I was called to do something else. I guess the president of Cooker College, he and I would have breakfast occasionally. I represented the college. And one morning we were in a place called the Midnight Roost Parsons, South Carolina. And he said, hey, you need to think about coming in-house with me and helping me to build this university. It was Cooker College. They've just now changed to university. I didn't have to think long. You know, I had... I had, <laughs> right. I had uh, I yearned for something like this, and, and also simultaneously, Greg, this is probably the most important part of my story. I was on the board of the Hartsville YMCA, and we had, we had built multiple YMCAs in other communities. But the CEO, his name is James Ward, he, he and I were uh, neighbors, and I was on his board, and, and I think I was the lawyer for the YMCA at the time. And one day he came to me and he said, Tony, I have got this group of kids. They're 13 and 14 years old. They come to Y every day, and I cannot find a coach for them. They just they need some they need some guidance. A lot of them come on their bikes. Mm-hmm. A lot of them a lot of them don't have a lot of influence at home. Just so happened his son was one of one of the kids, you know. And and it, anyway, he talked me into taking this group of 13 and 14 year old male athletes. They were all athletic, and I took them for a summer. And I coached them in what we call, in South Carolina, we called it AAU basketball. And it was just a MCA AAU team, but it turned out that it was one of the most phenomenal teams that Hartsville had ever had. As they got older, they won back-to-back state championships. Several of them went to play Division One sports. Probably the most notable was Jalen Shaw. He went and played at South Carolina in the SEC and transferred eventually to Coastal. But to make a long story short, I went down there to, to help those kids, to give them some guidance. To and I loved being around, you know, basketball was my passion. Right. Doggone, if they didn't work on me, and it just changed my heart. <laughs> and, and that was part of my Monday morning. I wanted to be with young people. I did not want to be sitting at a desk in a law office. Right, and I, right. I tell this story. I have the picture of these, these guys on my desk to remind me every day I'm here because of them and for a lot of kids like them. And so I just decided, you know, you're in your 40s, and it's just time. If you're going to make a mark in the world to, to leave the world better than you found it, you're not going to do that as a lawyer. You're not going to do that as an elected official. You're going to do that working in a school. And so, right. you know, I, I skipped some parts where I, I ran for office. I held several offices and all that. But ultimately, I'm here today because somebody on a board asked me to help some kids, and, and it just fed my um, appetite for or being doing work that had nothing to do with money and nothing to do with prestige. It, it had to do with touching these kids. And all these kids graduated from high school. Many of them have, have gone into great jobs. 
some of them have gone into the military. It's just very fulfilling now to look back and see, you know, and I just had a very small part in your life. The high school coaches that, that I handed them off to were the incredible guys as well. But um, I then started, after I worked with those young men, I, I took an assistant coaching job at the South Carolina Governor's School for Science and Math. And so I worked for two years coaching there right before I went to Coker College. Right. But uh, I then took the uh, vice presidential role at Coker College, helped Dr. Wyatt run the, the college, and worked on the leadership team there. And I did that for about three years. And then one day, Dr. Wyatt said, Tony, you, know, you could do my job. Have you ever thought about it? <laughs> like, no, I just came to be in a college setting to get out of the practice of law day to day. And I, I never thought about that. And he said, I want you to think about it. And I'm not only that, I'm going to nominate you to be an American Council Education Fellow, the ACE Fellows, higher ed calls it. So he did. He nominated me for that. And it's very highly competitive. They, they only accept about 30 people per year into, into the program. And it's sort of a training ground for presidents and provosts. And so I, I tried. Uh, he had nominated me. I, I did a Skype interview and got accepted. And then I, I got an assignment to go to Flagler College in, in uh, St. Augustine, Florida, where I got to sit for a whole year with Dr. Bear, who was the 17 or 18-year president of Flagler College. And so I lived at Milano Beach and got to work at Flagler for a year. And as soon as I completed that fellowship, then Dr. Wyatt promoted me to executive vice president at Coker College. Continued to talk to me. You know, he, obviously he, I was an integral part of his team, but he continued to encourage me, to get me to think about it. And, and so there was another program through the Council of Independent Colleges. It was called the Presidential Mission and Vocation Program. He encouraged me to do that program. I did it. Did a lot of soul searching and um, decided I would be open to becoming the president. Just so happened, the presidency at Mars Hill University, Mars Hill and Coker in the same athletic conference. And so we were very familiar with Mars Hill. And just so happened, as soon as I got out of went that second presidential program, the search. I guess you would call the headhunter, so to speak, that was helping Mars Hill. He, he had uh, met me at Coker, and he immediately reached out to me to just let me know he was coming through Hartsville and would like to talk to me. But to make a long story short, I um, did those two programs, and next thing you know, I'm here. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's really awesome. Yeah, there's a lot there. And uh, I, I guess my first question would be is, when on Sunday nights did you no longer have that kind of empty feeling when you felt more fulfilled? Was it when you started working with the 13 or 14-year-old kids at basketball? Was it a little later when you're in the world of education? Or was it when you became president? Like, where along that path did you realize, yes, I made the right turn? When I had those those young guys, you know, after work, you know, all weekend we traveled. I was I felt alive when I was coaching them. The adrenaline, the the fun, the brotherhood. But when I'd have to go back to work the next day, I'd have that empty feeling. So really, mm -hmm. my feeling transformed when I was Coker. And I was I was doing some legal work for Coker, but I was chief financial officer, and I did I wore a lot of different hats there. And once I shifted from total practice law into being an executive Coker, then my life had that fulfilling feeling. And I got to know a lot of the students. I was, I was also was the political science director and um, the pre-law director. So I actually had about 15 to 20 students that I was responsible for in addition to kind of helping the campus to run. And so striking up these um, relationships with these, these kids, helping them to get into law school, helping them to get into grad school, 
helping them to make connections in the community with jobs and internships. That, that's what turned me. And I haven't had another day like that since. You know, that feeling's gone now. But my life is a lot busier. Practice of law is really demanding. But working in a university is, is probably 100% more work. It's just it's literally seven days a week. Colleges have something going on every day, every night, every weekend. It, it rarely stops until the summer. Right, right. Well, a couple other things is it looks like a lot of folks realized the talent you had in you and asked you to do more, you know, step into roles you didn't necessarily realize you were ready for, and you succeeded. So it sounds like you had a great mentorship along the way. Yeah, and I think that's so important. I, I think that I had the kind of boss who, you know, he was the president, he, he ran the show, but he was not afraid to ask me my opinion, and, and he encouraged me. A lot of people say, well, you know, why did he bring you there? And then the next thing you know, he's shipping you off. He now is known as as someone who invests in his people, and so people want to work for him. People want to go there, and, you know, just having somebody like that. And you can look back on my life, and you can see almost every stage of my life, I have had people like that who've helped me, who've encouraged me. I had a pastor in my life who, after a political defeat, you know, he did everything in his power to, to bring me out of my downness. It turned in, into a situation where I was speaking every weekend and going all across South Carolina, talking and, and doing things that were positive. So people have poured into me, including my parents, my grandparents. You know, I've been, I'm, I am like, you look up blessed in the dictionary i am my my picture is right there and and so i have a lot i owe a lot trying to pay it forward i guess you would say wow well i like to ask one question here is back when you were at cooker college and then cooker university and you were asked about mars hill who had the better basketball team at that point um at that moment cooker college did and neither (laughs) neither had great um situations but Mars Hill just swept Coker the last two two games, so um, he had, we have a little <laughs> bragging rights going on. But um, actually, the guys from the YMCA are now running the Coker basketball program, and so they're like brothers to me. Oh, that's awesome! Both schools are similarly situated. Both schools have around twelve hundred students. Both schools have similar challenges and blessings, and um, you know we're all in this together, really. In the small schools in the United States all are really scratching and clawing to um, demonstrate to the world that, that we, we are doing great work and that higher education really matters. And so there's a lot of good feeling between the schools, to be honest with you. That's awesome. That's great. As a reminder, you can check out all previous episodes at learnfromothers.org. If you are an educator or a student, you can search for podcasts by Career Cluster and additional resources under the resource tab. So we learned what you wanted to be when you grew up, which was president of the United States. And we learned what you do now, which is you run a university. So if you could do it all over again, what would you do differently? I would have coached basketball, would have um, not gone into law practice. I would have probably got, I would have gotten an advanced degree, but I probably would have sought a coaching job probably at the high school level. I think the happiest moments of my life have been in the sports arenas. You just can't explain the adrenaline and the exhilaration you have during the warm-ups right before the national anthem. When you, you don't know how the game's going to turn out, you don't know if your team's going to give you 100%, you don't know what the other team's going to be like. I, I, I miss that. I miss the competition. If I had it do over again, I would have done that. I probably would have become a teacher because deep down, 
I'm really a teacher. Uh, I've spent a lot of time teaching. I, I taught law. I taught various things at my church, and um, I'm really more at home in the classroom than anywhere, but that's probably what I would have done differently. You know, that's very cool because if someone succeeded to the level you succeeded at, you know, the typical answer would be, I'm pretty happy how things worked out. But that's really cool to see that you do see that passion of yours where you feel like you could have, not only through basketball, being a coach, but also as a teacher, could have given back in those those ways as well. So that's that's a really great answer. I love that. Well, let's make the assumption that someone in our audience wants to do what you do, wants to be the president of a university. What advice would you give them, and is there a typical career path? Yes, the, the typical career path in the United States is that you, you become an academic. Um, you get a terminal degree, which would be a Ph.D. or something like that, and you get a lot of experience in working in a university in a college setting. A lot of the college presidents come up through that. They become professors. After a while, they become administrators, and then they move up the ranks. That, that's the typical way. That is obviously not the path I followed. And I, <laughs> right. I think that, um, I think that it's, it's different. It's, it's different according to what type of school you want to work in. So, you know, the career path that I followed may not be a good fit for an Ivy League school, you know, or, or something like that. But I think that colleges are experiencing such turbulence right now that the boards are looking for non-traditional approaches to higher education and to running a campus and so there's a lot of things going on in the world there's there's campus safety is huge you only have to turn on the cable news to see almost every week there's something going on in a school so you know they're just all kind of challenges that you have to prepare for i am here probably because my my resume showed that i had a vast amount of experience as an elected official as a um attorney for various institutions, and I'd also done a lot of fundraising, either through politics, through church, through Rotary, all the things that I've done over the years to raise money. Um, I think that's a huge part of a pedigree for a college president. Colleges and the, the boards of trustees run universities, they, they know we have to raise millions of dollars, and they, they look for someone with that quality. So, Also, I think, though, that you if you want to do something these days, you can do it. You, you shouldn't be bound by the way it's always been done. And I think right. I think that the world is changing so quickly that boards are looking for leadership. And so whether it's an academic leadership or it's a real-world business leader, you know, you have, to, you have to understand higher education. You have to be able to navigate between alumni and trustees and students and parents and elected officials and security officials and attorneys, you have to be able to deal with all of that. So anything you can do to build your resume, to gain experience and confidence is huge. I also think that college presidents give several speeches a day sometimes to the ability, <laughs> the ability to write and to think and to speak, which is a liberal arts background. I believe that that is what prepares you. So... All of those things can, can put you on that track. Different schools have different needs, so the needs of a Mars Hill in 2018 may be totally different than it will be in 2030. And so um, I think institutions tend to have a need at that moment, and they, they want people that can fit those intentional things that they're dealing with. But I also believe you've got to be a leader. You've got to be, I believe, what 
with the new book called Pivot that's come out. I believe that um, you've got to be a courageous leader and you've got to be willing to really step forward in today's time because there's a lot of challenges on college campuses these days between free speech, finances, college debt, safety, all these things that are going on on college campuses. You've got to, it's not a place for the timid, put it that way. It, it requires you to to be in the public eye almost every moment of your day, and you gotta you gotta be strong and, and understand you know what you believe and, and be able to defend your institution and advocate for your institution. And speaking of which, how about we talk directly to the students in college right now, whether it's on a two-year or four-year program? What advice would you give someone that is actively in college right now? Well, I think I think that for a college student in today's world, that you have you have got to be an accomplished writer. And you've got to be able to to speak in an interview, and you've got to be able to stand in front of groups and talk. And I think you've also got to develop computer skills and be tech savvy. And I think you also have to develop soft skills, and, and that means being able to, to work through informal situations with different groups and be able to, to go to meetings and, and be able to go to conferences and be able to walk the halls of where you're going to work and be able to interrelate with people. And I think you've got to study leadership. I think companies now are looking for leaders. They're, the leaders are a few, and, and companies are searching for people that have courage and intellect. And you've got to, you've got to show up. And I think we have a lot of young people these days who want immediate gratification and won't climb that ladder quickly, but it, it requires you to show up and, and be dedicated and be a leader. And so that's, right. that's the best advice I have. I think that um, you, you have to start from your freshman year. I, what I have seen over my seven years in higher education, I've seen a lot of tough freshman years and then a wake-up call in which they, they really climb back out of it. But you need to walk in your freshman year ready to go. You need to absorb everything you can, every moment, every opportunity to go to lectures and special events and field trips and all the things that colleges do, you should never um, miss an opportunity to, to just see what's going on in the world. I also think traveling internationally is important, and um, we really, really push that, and we want our students to have some international travel experience. And so having something in your resume that shows that you can deal with ambiguity and deal with uncertainty, which international travel brings, I think that is huge. Yeah, that's really great advice. And I had one of my previous guests mentioned a computer now is going to be equivalent to a pencil. It's something you need to function every day, so you need to be good at it. You really do. <laughs> so, And, you know, right. colleges are grappling with it. There's a lot of debate about, you know, are computers here forever or, or do we allow computers in the classroom, you know? And it's just a crazy discussion to me because I believe I believe it's, it's here and, and we've got to be able to, to deal with it. And we've also got to harness it. So I, I am Mars Hill University to do that. We're, we're beginning to embrace the digital age, and a lot of schools have done it and are thriving, and a lot of schools have been reluctant and have fallen behind. So I think the, the next 10 years are key. I think it's going to be an interesting, interesting decade coming up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, are there any current projects you're working on that you would like to share? Absolutely. I, I've got one I'm on fire about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> colleges across our country have in my opinion, been dropping the ball on helping young people find what they want to do with their life. And I'm not talking about just a job. I'm talking about what makes you excited. 
to get up on a Monday morning? What gets your heart pumping when you walk through the door wherever you work? What do you want to do with your life? And not just draw a paycheck, not just get a nice car. I've done that. That, that does not make life, life happen. Barstow University is going to be a place in the future where we begin during your freshman year to help you with the discernment process of what you want to do with your life. And I'm challenging the Marshall students that not only are we here to get you a degree and get you a job, we're here for you to find your place of service in the world. And when you leave here, I want you to go back. Maybe you go back home. Maybe you find a new home. But you find a place to make the world better. And, and that sounds cliche, but our world needs that right now. We need young people to step up and lead because my generation has dropped the ball, in my opinion. You know, my generation and some others, we, we have not behaved that way for most of our lives. This new generation, they care. They're dialed in. They have tools available to help them be great, and they've just got to have the will. And so Marshall University has started a new center that it would be a career um, services type place, and we haven't actually gotten the name fixed yet. It's going to be a place that, where you'll be able to explore what you want to do with your life. You'll be able to go out and have some opportunities to, to kick the tires on some different things during your time at Marshall University. I'm hoping we're going to be able to announce some huge advances in that coming up, but we, we have moved some people into this office, and it's just an all-out assault to, to really turn this around. I'm in the process of engaging with our faculty right now. I want our faculty to be really involved in it, and um, everybody is really excited. It's a new, it's a new um, ear here with regard to that because it's just a total dedication to it, and we are have, having people respond. Uh, is in the in the fun area with this. That's the big project I'm working on right now in addition to just the everyday university life. Changing lives, that's pretty much what I'm talking about. Yeah, that is huge. Now, I tell, I told our football team, I have 125 football players at Marshall University, and I, I told them, you know, some of y'all are going to play in the NFL, two or three at the most. The other of you are going to go with a degree, and you're going to go and try to find your way in life. There is a path in football. It's not in the NFL. It's going back to your hometown, being a mentor, being a teacher, being a volunteer, being somebody who's working with young people. And we need you in our schools. We need young men to step up and be leaders in their hometowns and in their adopted towns. This new center is going to be able to create these, these ideas. And, and, you know, when you're 18, it's hard to think like that. But I, I hope that we will be able to strike a strike a match or a spark that will plant a seed in them. They can think like that, and over their four years, they will be able to really evaluate what they want to do. One person can change a town. One person can change right. a community. And uh, you can see evidence of that all around us, where people are, have done great things. And Mars Hill students can do great things. Yeah, that's awesome. That's like a, a big cultural change that, you know, even if you only have 1%, it's going to be worth it because what they do after that is going to be pretty impressive. I believe it. So I'm, I'm on yeah. my soapbox, man. I, it, we're going to do it. And, um, <laughs> Mars Hill one day is going to be the gold standard. People are going to travel here one day to see how you do this because our people are so dedicated and so fired up. I just believe that um, one day we're going to look back and say a lot of this started here. Right. No, that's great. 
Well, as with most journeys, success largely depends on reliable transportation. And we know each other, but I'm a huge car enthusiast. But could you tell me, what was your first car? A candy apple red vet. Really? Wait, was this a Corvette or a Chevette? Chevette. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) I love that you said it was a vet. Well, you know, it it was. (laughs) We had one of those. It it wasn't red. It was beige or something. We had one of those growing up. Wow. So you had a red one. Good for you. Yeah, I had a stick shift. And if you got above 55 miles per hour, it would stop right. (laughs) And so I had to, I had to, I swore my dad put some kind of governor on it. But it it was wonderful. I had a big Rolling Stones red tongue on the back hatch. (laughs) And so it, it was legendary, but oh, oh my yeah, gosh, that I would enjoyed. be legendary. It was nice, you know, when you have a, a date. I said, I'll pick you up in my red vet. It was, it was pretty good luck. <laughs> we have the same mindset on calling that thing a vet. That's awesome. Well, you knew you hit seventy miles an hour when the front fenders fell off, right? <laughs> yeah, so. it was it was pretty rough. I love that car, though. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, do you have a what's your dream car? I just bought it. Ooh, yeah. Before I knew I was coming to Mars Hill, I bought a uh, GMC Canyon pickup truck. Oh, nice. So I, I have a 2017 GMC Canyon pickup truck, and that's my dream my dream vehicle. I'm kind of a country guy. Yeah, not, any, not many folks can say that they currently have their dream car, so that's really awesome that you achieved that. Well, one great perk to some jobs is a company car. So if I had all the money in the world, I'd love to buy you a cool company car based on your job. And so I looked at the president of a university, I looked at it as shepherd. You're trying to shepherd students to success through the program, doing whatever you can to facilitate their success. Would you agree with that mindset? Yes. So I decided what's the best truck or car related to shepherding. And for you, I came up with a really cool one, a 1968 Land Rover Series 2A. Are you familiar with this sport ute? I'm somewhat familiar with that. Oh, cool. Well, this one is the early version. It had like the headlights inboard, and it was made in response to World War II, believe it or not. They saw how successful the Jeep was in World War II, so they decided to build their own. The Series 1 was slow as molasses. I think the top speed was like 45 miles an hour. It was meant for agricultural and utility purposes. The Series 2 was a little faster, and it was pretty cool. What was really cool, it has a metal grill, the metal grill for the front of the car or sport ute, um, some of the farmers would take it off and actually cook their meal on it over a campfire, then clean it off and put it back on the Land Rover. So it was very utilitarian from that perspective. So if I had all the money in the world, that's a cool car I would buy for you. Thank you. That would be great. Here in the mountains, man, that, that'd be great. Sometimes we have snow. <laughs> River on mountain here at Mars Hill University, I could drive to the base of Bailey Mountain and, and still cook out. So Thank you. There you go. Yeah, perfect. Well, I will send you a picture of the exact one I picked out for you. So, well, thank you so much for taking us on your journey. What's the best listeners to learn more about you or Mars Hill? Well, our, our web address is mhu.edu. And also, you can you can uh, find me on Facebook. Actually, you can see all that I'm talking about. On, I don't even know what my Facebook handle is, but if you the keyword Tony Floyd will come up, and MHU President is on uh, Instagram and Facebook, and I'm on Twitter as well and uh, LinkedIn. So I'm, I'm all over social media. Great way to connect, and I love to interact with people, especially young people, and happy to try to give advice and, and guidance where I can. That's really great, and Learn From Others now has an Instagram handle that I will link to yours, and we can run the conversation. So that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, it would be great.
Cool. Thanks, Tony, so much for taking us on your career journey today. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. Where will our next adventure take us? Subscribe to find out. If you know of someone who has a cool career story or occupation, contact Greg through Instagram at Greg Stanley LFO. That's G-R-E-G-S-T-A-N-L-E-Y-L-F-O. And we will see you soon as we learn from others together.